joining us. Good morning to you, sir. Top of the morning. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, at the outset, it's PeteCalendar.com. Or what is No, it's PeteCalendarShow. Yeah, the Pete, that'll get you there, or or the Pete Calendar Show, or you can just find me on the iHeartRadio app. All right, be sure to check it out, and um, let's let's start in your neck of the woods, shall we? Sure. Um, so reparations, city of Asheville seemed uh, they they got a lot of national pub for that. Uh, city says they'll be the first to do the reparations. Came time to write the check this week, and lo and behold, uh, uh, some uncomfortableness ensued. Yeah, What's and, going on with that? Yeah, not so much. Uh, well, this was, remember when this initially got voted on, and I think we talked about it at that time, and I was saying, this is simply uh, a recommendation to put together a task force or a commission to look at the issue and make some other recommendations. Like, this was not a vote for reparations. And uh, lo and behold, <laughs> there are still no votes for reparations. Yeah, they got a lot of publicity. And I almost wonder if that uh, if that kind of surprised them at how much publicity it got. But part of that was also the media framing of it as a vote for reparations, which it was not. So, yeah, it, it's kind of difficult to actually start carving out money to give to people. And how does that look? And what programs do you fund? And uh, who gets it? And is there a criteria? There's a lot that goes into that sort of thing, uh, which is why they wanted to study it. And uh, they they are not cutting any checks. I know, shocker of shockers. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, perhaps the commission should have been Blue Ribbon or something. Maybe. I'm not not sure how you classify that. But you can now use those dollars to uh, remove an obelisk. So that's, you know, that's working for you guys. True. And it's pretty interesting. It was only a couple of years ago that the city actually paid uh, and worked with, I believe it was the uh, daughters or sorry, the uh, sons of the Confederate veterans or something. They they worked with this group to restore the Vance Monument, which looks like for folks who may, you know, the Washington Monument, the big stick that's in D.C. It looks like that, but it's smaller. It's like, uh, I don't know, 40 feet high, 50 feet high, something like that. And it's right in downtown Asheville. It's where all of the protesters gather every Saturday uh, and they, you know, they rally around this monument and it's named for. Zebulon Vance, who was the governor during the Civil War, and he was from Buncombe County. I believe he's the only Buncombe County governor uh, ever. So uh, they kind of liked the guy. And uh, uh, little known fact, he actually, after uh, his imprisonment and after uh, the war was over, he uh, actually went on a, a speaking tour. Uh, talking about Jewish people, this uh, uh, he wrote a, a speech called, uh, I think it was called The Scattered Nation or a Scattered People, and he went all around the country uh, talking about how Jews were okay. And the Jewish community loved him. Like every year, they would have uh, they would mark his his birthday, and uh, they lay wreaths at his uh, at the Vance Monument. Um, but he was also really, really racisty. And so the monument has to come down now. So the recommendation uh, is now uh, from the task force that they remove it, not repurpose it, not add to it, not, you know, make it look different. Because remember, I think we talked about they wanted to paint it different colors, Um, like one color would one side of the obelisk would be white for the white people. One would be black for the black people. Then one would be yellow for Uh Asian people. It's kind of and then one was red. For Native Americans and people are like, okay, this is a terrible, terrible idea, folks. Like, let, let's not make this into a uh, uh, you know, a racially identifiable stick in the middle of downtown. What did the Hispanics get? Nothing, huh? No, they yeah, 
They were kind of, they I, I think them. they lumped them in with uh, red or yellow, I forget, but it was it was almost like an afterthought. People got kind of ticked off about that. Um, there's a poll, and, you know, we, we can talk about polls so the cows come home, but some of them are just amusing more than informative. So Civitas did a poll, and they, and they said, which of these people would you be most comfortable or not comfortable with for uh, inviting to your Thanksgiving? And then they threw out a bunch of political names. The person that came up least comfortable among North Carolinians polled to be at their Thanksgiving was Cal Cunningham. And frankly, <laughs> you, you're going to want to put a bell on that dude if he's over, especially if, you, you know. Well, if you're a veteran with a wife. There. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, and this is uh, th- this is sort of at the heart of why, right, everyone assumes he lost and how the how Tillis was able to overcome like uh, I mean we were seeing double digit uh, margins that Cunningham was up by in the polling before the election and all of that just collapsed on him after that so yeah it, it is you know it, it it's an interesting uh, window into the mindset of voters uh, I appreciate when uh, if you're going to put a poll out I appreciate throwing a question like this in it's always good cause, you know it's a hook I think and uh, it does give you some more of a like a real person kind of feel to to these polls and uh, although I do question um, yes I do question s- sort of people's connection with reality because Governor Cooper came in and I think he was tops at like 59 percent were comfortable with him at their Thanksgiving uh, table and that's just not going to happen. He's banned all of that. Why would he be at your Thanksgiving table? That would be really uncomfortable if the guy, like he would have to have been dragged there, right, or kidnapped, at, like uh, from uh, you know uh, National Lampoon uh, Christmas uh, vacation. You can't yeah, like joke. Yeah, no, you can't joke. If some guy called my show joking about kidnapping the governor, and after oh, the my Michigan goodness. story, I'm like, yeah, you can't do that. Uh, all right, so I'm not advocating. That. I'm just saying, like, there's no reason for him to be at your Thanksgiving table. So why why would people feel the most comfortable? Like, think it through, people. If he's there, something bad has happened, and uh, that's the only reason he's there, because he's totally uh, prohibited that. Yeah, you think he's going to do anything tomorrow? It's just speculation he made tomorrow, because there's another press conference, right, tomorrow for the well for uh, the standard coronavirus one? Yeah, today. Or today, I'm sorry, today, duh, it's Friday. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you, think, you think we hear anything from him? Because yesterday when he was doing that tour, somebody asked him that, and he said, "We'll see what we do. We'll do what we need to do." Yeah, he. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I don't. I don't know uh, what the teleprompter will tell him tomorrow to say, uh, or today rather to say. Now you got me saying it, but um, yeah. I, I, I'm not even sure he'll be there today because last week they they let Mandy Cohen just run the Thursday, if I recall correctly. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. After the last performance, uh, maybe they just kind of go into hiding before Thanksgiving, but with the edict and all. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, well, I, I try not to scenes. speculate. They're fast and furious, Pete. Let's just be honest, because their strategy, and we saw it a month ago, and then we saw it cemented uh, earlier this week. Their strategy is they, they're, now, uh, they're now trying to force the hand of local elected officials. Mm-hmm. And, and so, if, you know, they're, they're working with the Marianne Baldwins of the world, the Vons of the world, everybody else in the cities to uh, get something. And I wonder mm-hmm. if some of these cities won't implement something. Sure. The ones that the, the ones that haven't already, I think they went uh, the easier ones were sort of the, their political allies, which I find it also kind of funny that, you know, Cooper says, well, now that the election's over, it won't be so politicized. OK. Right. Yeah, yeah. of course. So uh, and basically like his answer to 
to to all of these outstanding questions about um, not just the politicization of it all, uh, but, uh, you know, the the rising numbers and such is to essentially blame us. Right. It's to blame. And let's be honest, like it's to blame Republicans that he's still blaming Republicans for this. You know, if only those rural uh, people that voted for Trump, if only they would, you know, mask up and wash their hands and socially distance, then uh, we wouldn't have these uh, viral outbreaks. You know, we have to recommit everybody. We got to double down. We got to double down. Like what's also interesting is that there's never been, as far as I can tell, and I've looked around for one, there's never been any kind of study done or promoted by this governor that talks about the the proportion of people that are actually wearing masks on a regular basis. So this idea that, you know, he thinks there's not enough compliance, where does that come from? Is there actual data to support this idea that we're not complying with the mask mandate? Because I got to tell you, when I go out, uh, people are all masked up. People are all spread apart. Now, maybe I'm not going to the right places, but that it, it seems to me like this idea that uh, we are to blame for the spread because we're not masking as we used to. It seems like you should have some piece of evidence to support that allegation, especially if you're going to pin, you know, uh, potential lockdowns and, and tougher restrictions on uh, on that idea. Well, as long as you'll continue to take credit for any success. True. Then uh, then that, these the double standard is complete. Yes, that really um, is the important thing here. That's the important thing. Uh, uh, Pete Callender uh, with us. Sorry, two more things I want to hit real quick. Uh, one, how abysmal is is the examples being offered by the Beasley campaign for uh, uh, votes that were invalidated uh, uh, illegally uh, when in reality they even REL started digging into the numbers and realized that many of those votes were counted and a bunch of others were from people who didn't live where they say they lived. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's not a lot of success in that in that research right there and she needs to she needs to flip 300 plus. Well, and that's actually unlike what the Trump campaign is trying uh, to do. You know, the 300 to 400 votes, that's actually something that you would think could be done. Right. If you just yes. found uh, if you just found enough of these ballots and voters and such. What's uh, what's amazing is that they haven't. And uh, they put forth like 2000 uh, uh, examples out of like 90 counties. And uh, when Laura Leslie at WRAL did this story, the, the Beasley campaign did not comment for it, but the Democratic Party did, the chairman, Wayne Goodwin. And he said that that was the Democratic Party's data team that put that uh, together Good. for them. And and so which prompted a uh, response from Stephen Wiley, who is the uh, uh, the caucus, the North Carolina Republican House Caucus executive director, I believe is his title or chairman. I forget. He um, but he helped, you know, he ran the, the, the reelection efforts and he says, oh, well, I was getting mailers uh, for Joe Biden in Spanish. So if this is the same Democratic data team <laughs> that was doing that, uh, then that would explain a lot. Yeah, yeah, it would. And then finally, this. I've seen this proposed before, uh, not necessarily on a statewide level, and it, it is the same reaction every time. For those of you who don't know, the North Carolina Sheriff's Association suggested that perhaps videos documenting the way in which the public should interact with law enforcement, like during a traffic stop, um, should be produced. And, mm -hmm. you know, frankly, there is a certain set of it, while protecting everyone's rights, there's still a best practices way in which uh, law enforcement and law enforcement should be held to account for the way in which they're supposed to act. 
and and the way that citizens should act, if anything, just to expedite it while protecting everybody's rights, but still having a legal interaction, whatever that legal interaction may be. And that was suggested, and the reaction, well, the reaction was not good. Right. Outrage ensued. How dare you indoctrinate people? <laughs> Which, look, and uh, I'm lowercase l libertarian, conservatarian here. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not all for, you know, hey, just, you know, forking over the papers to the cops just because they demand them. Um, however, I think everybody would benefit from having a universal understanding of what this interaction should sound like and look like. What what are the cops' responsibilities and what are your responsibilities? Because you have some in this interaction, in this encounter with a fellow human being. So what should what should that look like? And they're already doing a video like they, they did one and they show it to kids for driver's ed, what to do when you get pulled over, which right. is a great idea. I've been a supporter of this for a long time. Like rule number one for me would be, n- number one, you know, don't attack the cop. Like if you like to me, that just makes some sort of sense that if you don't want to end up beaten up or dead. Yeah. Just don't attack the cop. First off, physically, physically, don't physically attack. Okay, that's good. Right. I I would say put that in the video. Don't attack the cop. Uh, Number two, maybe don't run from the cop either. Like when the cop says, hey, can I talk to you? If you take off running and you make the cop chase you. Uh, you know, the philosopher Chris Rock told us that that's probably, you know, not going to end well, you know, for you. So uh, the other thing, though, in a serious note is that if we were told that there are conversations that are occurring across America where black parents have to tell their kids uh, about, you know, what might happen with the cops. And don't you think that it would be good if we all universally had the same conversation? That, to me, sounds more like, I don't know, an equality argument. I, I agree, and and but there needs to be balance because I'm I'm on the from a libertarian perspective. This is something I 100. There's a great YouTube series called Audit the Audit. Have you ever have you ever seen this? I have not. Okay, so Audit the Audit essentially takes viral videos, the, the, these videos that go out where somebody um, is interacting with law enforcement. It could be law enforcement pulled over somebody, or there was a case where a guy was wearing a motorcycle helmet in a Walmart down in New Mexico recently. Hmm. He was in September. And they go through, and it's the guy's a lawyer, and he goes through in detail all the elements of it. And there are useful things in there because law enforcement, in some instances, doesn't act as they Correct. should. Right. Doesn't follow those parameters, and people need to know what their rights are. Right. But those, when you talk about balancing that with the what are the best case expectations, that's fair. And it's not just driver's ed, concealed carry, right? Mm-hmm. They talk to you about the process of what happens if you're, if you're concealed carrying. And you're pulled over by law enforcement and your duty to inform and all the rest of this. Right. And I don't remember anyone screaming their head off over this. So, no, it just it, it makes sense. It all it, it it's like body cams. I was a supporter of body cams. Cops supported body cams because uh, it, it gives everybody equal access to, you know, theoretically here, the truth. Right. And that's and so if everybody has equal access to a, a, a protocol that should occur and the cop goes off script on that or the civilian goes off script on that, then both people would know. Everybody will know what's expected of each other in this encounter. So I'm OK with this idea. But of course, this is seen as some sort of indoctrination effort. And if that's the case, if you're arguing against it from that perspective, then I have to wonder, are you actually interested in reducing these interactions becoming violent, these violent interactions and encounters. Of course, you know, one of the obvious ways to reduce the interactions and encounters is to reduce the number of laws, because if you don't have as many laws, then you don't have as much law enforcement and it reduces the encounters as well. But I know I'm speaking, uh, you know, heresy here. 
Yeah, pretty much. So with that note, then we're going to have to banish you from uh, the show today. So uh, com or on the iHeartRadio app. Check that out. Uh, we won't chat next week for obvious reasons, but uh, we'll regroup in a couple, okay? Yes, I'm holding a funeral for a turkey so I can have up to 50 people. Oh, well, happy funeral. I'm having a wake for John Lewis. Nice. Uh, at which we're serving turkey. So that'll do it. it yeah, that'll do fun. it, too. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Okay. Thank right. you, sir. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Pete.